Independent, totally biased, Hull Kingston Rovers. You are listening to the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Robin Podcast with me, Chris Johnson, and of course, Joe Appleyard. In this week's episode, we will take a look at the Castleford pre-season friendly, which is set to take place on Mother's Day. The first game of the 2021 Super League season against the Catalan Dragons. Robert Elson's departure from his role with Super League. Before we take another look at the Rovers' halfback conundrum. And last but not least, we are delighted that former Rovers skipper Wella Haraki will be joining me and Joe to talk about his recently announced retirement from Rugby League and his time with, with the Red and Whites. Joe, it's another week in lockdown, but another week closer to Rovers getting back out on the pitch playing rugby league. Obviously, I miss a Clint Newton Heritage cast because of my shit Wi-Fi. But tell me, from your perspective, how good was it to chat to the meme machine? Yeah, it was brilliant, mate. And I think it was such a shame because, you know, we love doing these together, don't we, Chris? And Clint was such a big name and such a, you know, an inspirational figure within the red and whites. But what an interesting bloke, I think. The response has been totally different to Dobbo's and Scott Morell's, but just three great individuals, and especially Clint, he knew what it meant to play for the Red and Whites, and the stories about him, you know, getting abuse off the FC fans in Sainsbury's, how he changed the game. Obviously, we're going to speak about Robert Elston, aren't we? But for him, what he thinks why the um, the English rugby league is lacking compared to the NRL, and he's totally right. He's such a you know an educated bloke, and just really good response, and it's great to catch up with them guys and. Obviously, we're going a bit of a different route speaking to Weller, who just announced his retirement a few weeks back. But even still, it's great to chat to these ex-players and pros because we get a bit of insight from them, don't we? And like Clint taking an 80 grand pay cut, you know, we won't, we, <laughs> nobody had known that if you want to no. come on the show. So we're really pleased that we're getting the information that Dobbo, Scott and Clint have told us. And we're going to get names in the future. Obviously, the season's getting a little bit closer. So the aim of the podcast is just for, you know, for me and yourself to discuss everything all okay care. But I think what we're going to aim for definitely is if there's gaps with COVID or if we have to miss a week, if we can get an ex-player on, it just boosts the podcast up, doesn't it? And people, you know, want away from them, you know, it's you know, and it'll be good for us maybe to speak to someone who didn't want a fan's favourite or didn't come over and rip it up and speak why, you know, it's all different experiences, isn't it? We wanna mix it up a bit. But Clint, you know, it was a pleasure to just have that one on one interview, but it was such a shame that your Wi Fi dropped, mate. It was all blaming Scott Morell the week before, but it was um, it was yours this week. So we're hoping today it sounds clear and we have no issues, mate. Yeah, and I, th- I think what a bloke, I mean the air stood up on my, uh, my neck when I heard how excited he was to, to be talking about Old Kingston Rovers. And not only that, he was so knowledgeable, wasn't he, about the game. And, and he talked so passionately about rugby league. And uh, I mean, like you said, we're going to talk about Robert Elston's departure from Super League later. But I'm going to say it now. Get Clint Newton in charge of Super League. Because he knows the game inside out. He does, and I think... You know, he said that he loves coming over to Eastall, don't we? Let's get him an house back. He can move in there, me and you, mate. Um, you know, get him in Eastall and just bring his knowledge because obviously with Elston going, we need another director and another um, need a chief exec. Clint's the man for the job. You know, I don't think he's going to be tempted to come to Super League. You know, he's doing a really good job with the Players Association. And even the other day on Instagram, he was with... Um, I think it was the Titans Gold Coast there under twenty ones doing speeches about life after rugby, you know, if you're feeling down. And that's what people need. They need someone like Clint Newton to come in and who's been there and done it. He's won an NRL for God's sake, you know, it, it takes a lot of a lot of effort and determination to win one of them gold rings um, in the Southern Hemisphere. So great bloke. I definitely think we want him in Super League. Is he gonna come to Super League? Probably not. We're going to get a guy who's going to come and get us free dominoes. Now the Papa John's thing will probably die off. What again? Yeah. These free pizzas, mate. But it's such a shame that there's probably hundreds of blokes like Clint who could come over here and do a job. But I just fear for the sake of rugby league, and we'll go into that in a bit. But you know, just great all-round bloke, and it was a pleasure having him on the Red Robin podcast. And I can imagine uh, 
clinched in at your house, it'd be like step step brothers, what? Get the bunk beds in. <laughs> yeah, you can call me dragon and I'll call him thunder, whatever it is. I'll have the top bed and then I'll have to ask Holly first. She might not let me. Now, last week the club announced that uh, our only pre-season friendly will be against Daryl Powell's Castleford Tigers with the fixture set to take place on Sunday the 14th of March at Craven Park. Although the game is a home fixture for us, the Robins, it is actually going to form part of Adam Milner's testimonial season. An important test for the Robins, Joe, not just on the pitch, but off it as well. It's going to be massive, mate, and it's just so good. Obviously, the NRL's back this weekend with the All-Stars game. There's been trial matches. It's just great to see rugby back you know, on Sky Sports, and I can't wait if it's on the Hour League app, if it's on Facebook, wherever Rugby League's going to be. You know, It's going to get numbers because it's been so long. Pre-season matches, you know, when we've actually been doing a few runs together, haven't we, mate? And the one we did yesterday, we spoke about pre-season matches. Is it worth just playing one or do we play another? But I think with COVID going on, it's easier just to play Yorkshire team. And it's going to be a real big test. I mean, Cass announced yesterday that um, Fecky, you know, it's never nice to see a player, especially who's never caused any, you know, problems with OKR. Fecky's come over on here, he did his, um, I think he did his ACL last year and he's tore his ankle. So he's going to be out for a numerous months. Cass aren't having much luck with injuries um, and obviously Adam Milner's chose Rovers to play his testimonial and it's actually really good for us because when that came out we obviously put the stuff on social media and Adam Milner followed us, he's shared all our stuff and we've actually messaged him and he's going to come on the show the week before um, we play Castleford. Obviously it's a Rovers podcast, we're Rovers fans but the rugby league family sticks together in times like this and I feel like for people like Adam Milner who's having his testimonial in twenty. 21 and even then people who it was last year and like Tommy Makinson and stuff it's such a shame because they have all these events they have these matches so it's just raising money for them because you know they're not millionaires these rugby players they're hard working kids and to say Adam Milner's going to come on the show again I know it's nothing to do with Rovers but he played for Great Britain two years ago mate so it's great and um, in England sorry so it's great to have someone like that to come on and hear his perspective and why he's chosen OKR as a testimonial and it's tough opposition as well because obviously the the Tigers have signed uh, Nile Levels, they've signed uh, Matagi, Jordan Turner. Obviously they've signed that uh, silly kid from uh, over the bridge. Uh, oh, Bionek. <laughs> yeah. Cockney destroyer. Uh, but they've also let go of McGeekin, uh, Hodgson, Junior Moores. So it's still going to be a tough test for the uh, for the uh, Robins, especially when you consider that they've got to face Liam Watts, Truman, Danny Richardson, Chase Blair, McShane. So it's going to be a good good test for Rovers going into to the Super League season. Yeah, they've gone downhill, I think, the past two years, Cass. And, you know, we're in no position to slag Castleford off because they've reached the grand final in the past four years. So they're still a great team. And the problem with them is they're probably like we was with Clint and Dobb. All the really good players are aging or they're leaving, you know, to go on bigger and better things. No, that, that's no disrespect to Rovers and Cass. Same as Luke Gale. Probably similar to Blake Green when he went to Wigan, Gale's gone to Leeds, and you lose that talisman. You know they've had, they've had a, few, um, a tough few years under Daryl Powell, but still a really good team, and I think it's going to be great for us. My voice is going again, Chris, um, to sort them COVID protocols out because we want the membership people to, you know, the five thousand cap what they mentioned the other day. We want to be able to get into the ground and the stewards. Paul Lakin, everybody involved at the club needs to sort the COVID protocols out and see if Craven Park's safe enough to host games because get the first few weeks out of the way with. We want to be playing home games at Craven Park. We don't want to be going to Warrington and Saints every weekend because it gives us a disadvantage and we need to be playing in East Hull. Yeah, and that's what we're hoping is that uh, Paul Lakin's pushing for Old Kingston Rovers to be staging fixtures at Craven Park, especially on the back of the news that we've got close to 4,500 members now. And obviously... You know, if you look at football when that came back, there was only allowed so many people uh, in a even in a fifty thousand stadium. You could only get two thousand people in there. So you know, the fact that we've got four thousand five hundred members, we're, we're sort of a bit a bit worried that we might not get into see game. But it's good that Rovers are taking the steps to get the COVID measures back in place to see Ulkington Rovers playing back at Craven Park. It's such a you know such a big talking point. There's literally obviously with this roadmap, whatever he's going to do next week, um, the prime minister. We don't know what's going to happen. These date and um, these guidelines, these dates that he's going to put in place. But I wonder how they're going to do it because it's is it two thousand people get pulled out of a draw if that's the case or. There's 2,000 getting one week, but then what about if you go with your family? And it's all they've got to put into consideration, aren't they? But hopefully, um, you know, we'll all be able to get back soon. You know, fingers crossed. It's been a shit year and a half, hasn't it? Whatever it's been now, it's 
you know, every day is dragging. It's such a shame that, especially the lower league teams, you know, there's a lot of teams that'll be dying financially, mate. And, you know, we put that tweet out, didn't we, about how do people feel about paying the memberships? And every single one said the same thing. And, you know, we want digging rovers out. We were just saying, what do you feel? Because it's a lot of money. Yeah, people yeah. have been put on the furlough scheme. But people don't have loads of money in East Hull. And that's, there's no, you know, I'm not afraid to say that. I'm the same. And we're all working class people. We put a lot of money into the club. So yeah. we'll see where it goes. But at the moment, I think I'm just bracing for a few months watching on telly. And then hopefully we can be back in that North, East, West, wherever you all go, you know, cheering the Robins on and, you know, hopefully picking up a few victories because that'll definitely be needed and boost the morale, have a good 2021. And hopefully by 2022, everything should be back to normal in the world of sport and we'll forget all this ever happened, mate. Yeah, and I think you're right, mate. I, I text my mate, you know, I go to Rovers each week and he, and he said to me, are you renewed your season pass? I said, yeah, yeah, I've renewed it. And he said... Yeah, I'm going to renew it. But he said, the club doesn't seem to be um, thanking the supporters for doing it. It's almost like a given. And I think this is what we've talked about before when we've been on uh, OKRFM. I think sometimes the club takes the supporters for granted a little bit. You know, a bit like maybe how the supporters have took Neil Ludgell for granted. In You know, we keep putting the money in. We keep putting the money in. And let's not, you know, beat about the bush. We've not been that successful on the pitch. You know, we're not watching a successful team here. Um, so that's why it's interesting. But we put these questions out on Twitter because we want to get people's opinions. There's no right or wrong because everyone's situation is different. And, and some people can pay it, some people can't. So there's no right or wrong. We just want to know what people are saying, don't we, Joe? Yeah, we do indeed. And it's great to have that interaction, you know, even doing the poll on the halfbacks, which we'll discuss soon, and having 200 people on that and... Oh, everyone on the forum all gets involved with what we put. It's really great to hear from you guys. And I just think it's a tough one, isn't it, on that side? I know the club's got more important things going on at the minute. Obviously, everyone's over now, so everyone's in training. I understand where you're coming from. It's tough to thank the fans every day. I think a lot of Rovers fans take the club for granted and the club take the fans for granted as well. But we have been successful. I mean, God, I'm 23. What have, what have I seen in all the Real Cup final, a <laughs> Challenge Cup um, embarrassment defeat? So I do hope in my next 23 years that I do get to see some proper trophies. But imagine what would be like. Imagine the fan base. Imagine that passion and support if we'd have won stuff or if we begin to start progressing and get into finals, Challenge Cup or Grand Final, if we ch start challenging. If we're not thinking about relegation after four games, mate, we're a massive club in the comparison to like the potential and everything about buying the stadium what we mentioned in the first ever episode there's so much positivity off the pitch with the signings with Paul Lake and the new sponsors that are going to um, generate so much money it's just about getting it right on the field now and you know we're reaching we're mentioning it all the time I can't wait to get this season started I really hope you know we're not fighting the bottom of the league I think we've got enough with this team you look at some teams um, who've recruited um, not as you know, probably not as experienced players as us. I just hope Takarangi, Vetti, they come over. They've got you know they've had a lot of smoke blown up their ass. And if you look realistically, this is I think they're really good players. But like Albert Vetti, you know he's been an NRL player for what seven years now and played that many games, not known for that many minutes. It's one of them. Is it just because he's a big kid and he's put a big hit on an Australian international like playing for Tonga or when he was at the Warriors that we think he's going to come over here and rip it up so you know there's a lot of talk from these players which I really enjoy and I think what I was saying to you even like Sean Kenny Dowell came with such a you know big experience a massive name Sean Kenny Dowell probably one of the biggest in modern day rugby had an awful season last year it didn't help you know no disrespect Nick Ross for being on his wing for some games you know couldn't tackle a Sunday dinner but I think if Ryan all comes together I'm looking forward to seeing that partnership and look how more interactive Kenny Dowell is with Takarangi and Albert Vetti. we need to build especially that overseas quarter like we had with Dobbo, Clint Newton, and Ben Galea. we all want them to be so close off the pitch because then you reap your rewards on the pitch and really positive stuff mate and I'm looking forward to seeing where we go Now we've obviously mentioned some of the overseas players there Joe um, and it's important obviously that we put a strong performance in against Castleford but we're praying out with that we've come through one scare with, uh, with no injuries because Two weeks later, we take on the Catalan Dragons in our season opener. Now, Joe, all opening round fixtures are, are tough, aren't they? And, and Rovers seems to do quite well in the opening rounds, you know, especially when we come against uh, them them dipshits from across the river. But we're currently probably we're probably playing Catalan at the best time because of a, a number of reasons. 
Do you think this is the best time that we could play Catalan? Yeah, I think it is. And I, I spoke to someone at my work and it was on about like Wigan playing Lee and they're going to play them three times. It don't, don't matter. You've got to play everybody. And, you know, I looked on Skybet and Rovers were five to one. But you've got to take into consideration Catalans aren't trained together yet. Falau's probably not going to be there. Tompkins and McAloram are still suspended. You know, like I said, they aren't trained together. Remy Casti and Sam Moe were two massive influences in the middle of the park have left as well. Arthur Romano, we mentioned the pre-season's worth it. Romano was actually playing for Catalan's second team last week and I think he's done his ACL. He's out for the season. So they're definitely going to be weak but then you still look, they've got Maloney, Tompkins, Drinkwater. They can, that span is up there probably in the top four. Do you know, they did finish fourth last season but obviously they only played 13 games and there was on a point percentage ratio but they only lost as many games as what the top teams lost. They are a tough outfit, aren't they? And and there's always question marks over a team that Steve McNamara coaches because for whatever reason he just doesn't seem to to get that following, does he? People don't seem to buy into Steve McNamara and we saw it in the National Rugby League. People don't seem to buy into him. Um but they are still a tough outfit, aren't they? They are, and they've got a lot of money in them. Um, is it Bernard Gauch or whatever he's called? Well, Bernard Money Pants. <laughs> yeah, literally buying people like Flau and all them. Like, they must not have a salary cap, but they, they, they love it over there in the south of France. And I think they can recruit these big Aussies like James Maloney and, you know, like we mentioned, Israel Flau is because it's the same as Australia in the summer. You know, you're talking top 20s, maybe 30 degrees. And, you know, the, the it's just a rugby league culture in the south of France. And with Toulouse as well, they're, they're a really good team in the second tier. But it's probably the best time to play them. We normally win the first game of the season, then we probably won't win again until summer. So back, put your mortgages, put your house on Ulkingston Rovers winning that first game because, yeah. you know, we normally do. We did, obviously. As long as then you put... The next lot of money on losing the, the next game. Well, we'll probably, the next game. <laughs> we'll probably have Leeds the week after and get beat about yeah. 60 points to 12, um, like that Valentine's Day massacre last year. But again, it's one of them things, I couldn't care less who we're playing. I can't wait to see Rovers. I'm just looking forward to watching all the Super League games. I'm going to sit on my backside, on my settee, from Friday when that Salford Saints game starts at 6pm up until the final game on the Sunday, which is Leeds and Wakey. Obviously, all um, our rivals there playing Huddersfield, that'll be a really good game. But again, the NRL's coming back, Super League's coming back, you know, good times. It's a bit more positive than it was five weeks ago when we started the podcast and it was a bit all doom and gloom. There's a lot of noise about Israel Folau at the moment. Do you expect him to be lining up? Because he seems to have gone, he, he wants to go back to the NRL. He? He's trying to talk to the people who are in charge about going back and they seem to be stopping him from going back. So do you think he'll be lining up for Catland Dragons? I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to say no, mate. I think he wants to go back, doesn't he? He's probably made that clear and Catalans will get a fee for him. So it's probably worked out well. You know, he's coming. To, he's only got a year left, but I think it's the NRL and it? it's the same as Ben Barber. You know, if someone makes a mistake, you know, they're very critical in the NRL. It's not like Super League. You know, you could probably yeah. come out of a prison sentence over here and still play. Hopefully they have, not yeah. Scott Moore and all them lot. And, you know, over there, you make one tiny mistake, the media haunt you down. It's massive over there. It's the same as us with footballers. And he's... He's, he's struggling to get back in here. I think it's the NRL officials saying, look, we don't want people like Israel Folau coming back. Will the, will the turn? I hope so, for our sake, because then he don't come against us. I think he's probably one of the yeah. best players in the league. Is electric, and that try he scored, I think it was against Wigan last year, handed off about four players. He's, on his day, is absolutely top quality, but I think it's a bit similar. And if What you normally get with these Aussies and these overseas players, once they've got it in their head that they're going, you know, there's not much yeah. more you can do. And uh, you'll also you'll know that with uh, Albert Kelly in that chicken nugget video, with sat in McDonald's, there's always a route back into to uh, rugby league. So uh, now I don't know about you, Joe, but get I get sick of talking about things happening off the pitch as much as things on it. And Robert Elson's departure from Super League is yet another chapter in the sad story of rugby league governance. Neil Ludgill stepping back from his involvement with Rovers was. Uh, put down to his lack of enthusiasm for the game. Joe, where do you think the game is heading? Because we seem to be lurching from one crisis to another. It's such a shame because, you know, for me and you and for many other people, you know, I still, you know, go to City as well. And But for me, nothing compares to rugby league. I think it's the best sport in the world by an absolute country mile. There's so much young potential in Britain. There's some amazing kids in the reserve grade in the academy, but it's just off the field, it's an embarrassment in it. And I mean, 
even take the other week when England played in the Six Nations, that Johnny May try, all he did was score a good try and the rugby league media <laughs> yeah. hounded him. We know Tom Johnson scored brilliant tries. We've seen Bevan French do 100 metres yeah. in about five seconds. But there's just not that publicity. You take, I always compare international rugby, you know, rugby union, Scotland against Italy. If they was playing each other um, in Scotland, there'd be 70,000 people there. If Scotland played Italy rugby league, you wouldn't get a 1,000. No. And that's the problem, in it? That it's Forget about it being a yeah. southern sport, a posh boy sport. There's something right in rugby union. There's such a big market for it. But realistically, there's so many people who watch rugby league and rugby union, and the skill... And Owen Farrell, these really amazing rugby union players, they can't even pass 10 metres left to right. The skill set of the centres, the prop forwards, it just don't come. I know it's a totally different game. You've got to win the ruck. Kicking game's massive. But you even look, you know, I just, I can't see it myself. And I'm, like, even like Gavin Ensign coming over, he's going to be playing West Wales, which is not the best standard, let's be honest. I think they've won once in about 10 years. But. I'd like to see how he goes because it, on the, on his day he was probably the best fly half in the world when he was at Wales um, ten years ago and international. But for Robert Elston, he's probably coming at the deep end, and he he had all these ideas, and the the Super League clubs didn't agree with him. And when you you've only got twelve clubs to compete with, if two or three of them don't agree with you, mate, you're down Shit's Creek, aren't you? You're never going to get the vote. And you know he's come in, tried his best, but probably failed. And even them little things, you look at. Rugby Union, their second tier is sponsored by that Green King. It's one of the biggest um, the breweries in England, you know, the sponsorship. How would you know? Do you... <laughs> what they are? Yeah, no, breweries. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm are saying, you a fan of the pubs? I'm not, I, don't, I don't like bitter or like that, mate. I'm, um, I struggle getting a few Morettis down me. I'm a bit of a lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I even look at them, like IPA, such a big income, and we're getting free pizzas at the end of a game just to have, you know, Papa John sponsoring yeah. us or whatever it was. So he's coming at the, you know, he's tried his best, but Robert Elston's gone, and it's where do we go now, mate? It needs to be bigger, better, and with all these exciting talents on the field, off the field, same as all Kingston Rovers needs to be right. Yeah, and I think you're right, Joe, because obviously, you know, you've got to be in your bonnet about Rugby Union, but. Let's be honest, Rugby Union have got it right about how they market the game. That they've got a, they've got a good following, and they bring in multi-million pound deals that safeguard the future of the sport. And we don't. And obviously, it's it's interesting that Robert Elston he, he wanted to bring in a, he wanted to bring in a an investment deal. The Super League clubs didn't vote for it, and he's decided. Well, if you don't vote for a deal that I'm bringing in, what's the point of me being in place? And and Adam Pearson said. Um, what's the point having a someone who's in charge who spends most of his time trying to delegate and you know rub the egos of some of the chairman of clubs? And maybe when he came into chat into place, Robert Elson, he was on hard into nothing because ultimately, although the Super League clubs brought him in, what was going to achieve? Because ultimately, he's got to get twelve clubs in green with him, and he's probably thought, do you know what? What's the point? And it's a shame because he was a top-class professional who we brought in from Everton and had big success, a little bit like Paul Lakin. Now we brought him in from uh, Stoke and he's come into our club and they've gone and got external investment. On a small scale, he's done it at Super League level and it doesn't work. So I guess what what is the future? Because who's going to come in and, and made, uh, wave that magic wand and change things for us? It's you know it's, it's so tough in it that names probably I you won't you know you haven't got any because these people come in who you don't really know and it's I think what you get with a lot of these chairmen you know McManus you know and Ken Davy and all them people like that Neil which is you know totally fair to say Neil very stubborn blokes they've all made money being stubborn blokes being solicitors or being businessmen yeah. they're not going to bend over and let anybody come in and take the piss out of them unless you're you know, him off Wolf of Wall Street who can sell a pen for a million pounds. It's it's so tough in rugby league and I think we need to get out of that stubbornness. Do you just... think that, Joe, the, the problem is they've made their own money in their own fields and now they're almost coming to the Super League table and going, well, I'm not going to listen to you mm. because I know how to make money. I know how to do this. I know... And you've got 12 people who are just rutting heads and going, I'm going to do this and Robert Elson's going... How do I sort this out? That's How the, do you sort out? That's the thing. You've got five people saying A, six <laughs> people saying B, the other saying C. It's it's so tough and it's, again, we, we bang on. There's so many times we can say it's the best sport in the world, but is it? You know, with all the shit that happens off the field, it's an embarrassment sometimes. And it's it's that this is what makes the you know the sport a laughing stock. And 
it's such a shame, and I just hope whoever comes in next, you know, you know, I'll be praying for him because it's such a um, <laughs> such a tough job, especially with COVID going on. But we, we, yeah, we need a massive sponsor again, not to bring it back to the cross code, but you know, Guinness sponsoring them again. I hate Guinness; I think it's absolutely diabolical. But it's probably the biggest name in alcohol, isn't it? So, and again, going out to the alcohol route, but the money invested in that. Just it just breeds professionalism and the money that the Six Nations will get from Guinness. Whereas we play, you know, Four Nations tournament. I don't think they have a sponsor sometimes. Yeah, but if it was up to you, Joe, you'd probably have twenty twenty in charge sponsoring somebody. <laughs> mad, mad dog. <laughs> mad dog. Yeah. Blue WKD <laughs> Six Nations. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. <laughs> let's bring it back to all Kingston Rovers. And it, obviously, it's great news that Jordan Abdul is back training and. Tony Smith maybe gave us a hint of what's to come when he mentioned that Brad Takarangi might be an option in the halfbacks. Now, we ran a, a poll on Twitter, didn't we, during the week, and 56% of the people who voted voted and said that they want Abdul and Michael Lewis to be starting when we take on Catalan. Joe, how do you see us lining up when we do take on the Catalan Dragons? There's one person who you talk about all the time, and it's Mikey Lewis. It's... Very similar to Matty Marsh a few years back, Matty Baharrell. These young kids, because they're from old, don't get me wrong, I think Mikey's a very good player and I think he's going to be really good in the future. But I think there's a lot of Rovers fans thinking he's going to come in and be the Messiah just because he played a few good games last season. And I hope he does. I hope he proves me wrong. If we can get an affiliation, I know we had one with Dewsbury, but he's an halfback. They've got Paul Sykes and Liam Finn. They're their biggest name players. They're going to be on big money in the Championship, them two. If we can get him on loan, and he can be playing week in, week out. If he's going to be playing for Rovers one week, he doesn't have the best of game, that's fine. He can go and play for Newcastle in the Championship or he can go play for Dewsbury. If they can sort a plan like that, he definitely plays 15, 20 games for me. But if he's just going to be sat on the sideline, it's it's pointless. Rovers need to think about him because he's, he's key, him and Abdul. In my opinion, I think it is going to be Mikey and Jordan Abdul because I think Tony's put a lot of faith into them too. But he likes to throw hints, doesn't he? He's, um, you know, he's a bit of a funny bloke like that. Same as the squad numbers said, oh, it doesn't mean out. If that's the case, put Adam Quinlan at number nine. Do you know what I mean? He, he does mean something. And for me, I think Takarangi will be best you know, out on the edges. I think him and Lynette are going to be vital, especially winning the pack with um, Vete and Takarangi and um, Sims, George, George King, George Lawler. So I'd like to see Mikey and Jordan Abdul, but can them to form that partnership and make Rovers not be in the relegation zone halfway through the season. I don't know, I want them to prove me wrong. I can see Takarangi going in there. In my opinion, I don't want to see Mills and Joe Keyes. I think they need... Keyes, obviously, 25, 26. I think he's just a squad player. But Mills, maybe look, going back to Bradford, playing whatever, going playing 20 games in the Championship because he needs that for me. He's not ready for Super League. But in my opinion, I think Catalan Dragons at Headingley round one, it'll be Jordan Abdul and Mikey Lewis, Chris. Yeah, and, and um, obviously we've posed a question because we want to know what people think, don't we? And I want to see Mikey Lewis at halfback. You know, at the end of the day, we're in still Rugby League Club. That's where we base our support on it. And we want to see kids from our city, we want to see kids from our area playing, don't we? That said, I want to win Rugby League games. And and at the moment, for me, I see Abdul and Takarangi at halfback being our strongest halfback partnership at the moment. But going through the season, I want to see Michael Lewis playing because he deserves the minutes. He, he deserves the opportunity to play. And I think the uh, the example you gave before, um, yeah, you're right. He should have been playing more. But at the end of the day, he didn't get the game time. So... You know, we're our own worst enemy sometimes. Mm. Um, we saw Michael Lewis, you know, he, he played some great games last season, but he also played some poor games. And I think sometimes Rover supporters are desperate for a young kid from East Hull to come into the side. And they almost give him the benefit of the doubt times 10 more than they do anybody else. And let's not be honest, you know, let's be honest, he, he, he didn't play great some games. No, he didn't. And... I remember that when he played against Wigan, I think it was his debut in 2019. Again, don't get me wrong, I've never been played at the DW and had to control a rook on your debut at 18. I'm not saying I could have done a better job, but he missed about 15 tackles. It wasn't the best game, but he had one assist. Rovers got beat about 50 points to 10, but he got the assist in one yeah. of the tries and it was like he'd won the Harry Sunderland Trophy. Yeah. And 
That is no disrespect to him. Again, I'm just being honest. For me, he needs to be playing week in, week out. And if that's in Super League 15 games and the Championship 15 games, that's better than just playing 10 or 15 games for Rovers. And then this time next year, still going, he's only got 25 Super League games yeah. under his belt. He's 21. And, and and let's not be honest. Let's not be beating about the bush. He's in that changing rooms going, you're going to control the pack. You're yeah. going to lead us around the pitch. And he's probably looking... Uh, yeah, this is a bit different to academy rugby. This is a bit different to reserve grade rugby. So we've got to give him, you know, like I said, we want East Hull kids on that pitch representing the club. Cool. But Sorry, we, want to, we want to do it in the right circumstances, don't we? We do, and even when we had Scott on, you know, take it back to 2004, he had Maguire and Burrow in front of him. So what did he do? We went and, went and played 10 games for London in Super League. So yeah. it can work. And look, when he came to us in the Championship, he'd control the Super League rook. He was the loudest kid on the pitch. Look at the personality he got. And he even said it, that going to London made his career 10 times better because he learned how to control these 33-year-old Australians. And he was an 18-year-old kid. You know, it, you've got to get that respect from somewhere. And it's a massive year for so many players and for the club. And he's probably the biggest one because if you look in 10 years, he's still going to be 29. He, he could be the Rovers Outback for the next 15 years. But it doesn't need to be rushed. He doesn't need to be playing every week at Super League level, but in my opinion, every week he needs to be playing a competitive game of rugby, either at Dewsbury, Newcastle, or wherever fits him. I was looking back, and um, you know, we're going about Roger Millwood, mm. obviously, hero of the club, but I was looking back and I was thinking, when was the last halfback that we produced? I can't think of one. I can't. I was looking back through the history books, and an and halfback who actually represented the club for a season, played week in week, I can't think of one. And that's why I just think the pressure on Michael Lewis is so great because we're desperate to produce an halfback mm. who represents mm. the club. And, and you know, we did the podcast with Dobson, didn't we? And we loved him. It was absolutely yeah. amazing because he came in and he understood the club. And I think we're anchoring on for that kid from Hull who comes on and does a job for us. We are indeed. I'm, try I'm trying to think probably... And it is not an halfback. He played. He played at halfback for us because he was in the championship. John Wilkin played at mm. six sometimes, but then he went to Saints. And, and played, how quick? Yeah, he went. He went. Didn't went he? To, and that was for the money. And obviously, he would because Rovers, you know, yeah. were struggling really bad financially. And Saints paid a fee, and he played a few games for Saints at halfback over the years. Probably twenty, but he was a second row. So halfback. I'm trying to think. You know, you've had Matty Marsh, Matty Brower, like I mentioned, but. You know, no one who stood out there, you know, even you know, Josh Okay is an LFC product, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not us. And that's what we want to be doing. We want to say these the Borough, Sinfield, Maguire, or Peacock, every you know, we want to be saying these names in ten years, Lawler, Lewis, Abdul, whoever comes up will take. We want to be saying that. And it's a massive long process, but it's the first step in that process. Now, it's a new era for Old Kingston Rovers with Udjul gone, Lakin coming in, these new signings, this new local KR, bigger in the pack, um, and not just, you know, signing, you know, has-beens. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that's correct, and I hope in six weeks we're not going, we're still shit, aren't we? Because I really <laughs> hope we're not. I don't think we will be as bad as last year. It couldn't get any worse. But let's not put all our eggs in Mike in Mikey Lewis's basket you know, he's got a long career ahead of him. Halfbacks don't, you know, get into the pram until about four or five years. So bear with him and let's not shoot Man and Chris's head off for thinking he's not going to be <laughs> the star of 2021. Well, it's an interesting debate, in it? And we love talking about it. But stay with us as we bring you the man who did this. Oh, what a shot! Get down, Scott Taylor! Well, the Haraki has just beasted you, boy! Have some of that! Podcast with me, Joe Pliard. And co-host Chris Johnson, and we're very we're honoured to have this special guest on the show. Chris, it's the birthday boy himself, and I think 36 years ago when he was born, he wouldn't have thought he'd have been doing his 36th birthday with me and you on this podcast. It's former Rovers skipper and recently retired Weller Araki. How are you doing, yeah, mate? Good, thanks, mate. I hope these are all well. Yeah, thank you, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate. It. Obviously, 
You know, it was, it's been a week or so, a few weeks now since you announced your retirement. There's been a lot of support. There's been a lot of messages, you know, from down under and obviously from UK. You've played for numerous clubs, Crusaders, Leeds, Cass, Salford, Widness and Old Kingston Rovers and obviously Parramatta in the NRL. What, mate, was it just, was it just the right time to call it a day? Was you, you know, were you feeling it? Was it, do you think it's the right decision? Oh, uh, yeah, mate. I, I didn't really know. Um, the last uh, couple of weeks, I was... I was um, humming and hurrying whether to whether to keep going or or finish up then, and um, I sort of had a chat with the with the wife, um, and then I just the job I'm doing at the moment I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm doing construction with PBS, and um, I was just I was really happy the way things were going and rolling at the time, and I just said like. Uh, I think I think I'll I'll call it a day to to the wife and and she just goes oh really <laughs> and uh, she was a bit surprised but um, she was happy that um, I made the decision on my own and um, I was happy with what I achieved over the years so um, yeah just was was a bit of a was a bit of a um, changer when I went back into working and. Uh, sort of enjoyed it, but um, yeah, that's that's the way it pretty much went, actually. Well, uh, I uh, I know Pete Smith, who owns obviously PBS. He's a bit, he's a bit of a rugby league nut, isn't he? And he he, uh, he loves his rugby league. Have you, have you had many dealings with Pete so far? No, mate. I've um I've been working. Um, I actually ran Glenn, his his son, and um he was the one that actually gave me the job. So uh, Fika Pelicina. Um, yeah. I'm really close with him and he I pretty much rang him straight away and said um, is there any jobs going about and um, he said uh, give give Glenn a ring at PBS and um, he, he'll he he'll sort you out and I pretty much rang him straight away and um, he just said when can you start and um, I could tell he was he was footy like um, he just loved his footy straight away just the way he talked and what what things he knew about about me and 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 the and the sport, so I knew straight away that um, he was he was um and, and he was an FC fan as well, so it was um, made it, yeah, well, made it even yeah. um, probably I thought it was going to be a bit harder for him for me to get a job, <laughs> but um, he pretty much like said, "When can you start?" And I just said, "Well, mate, I'm gonna I can I can start whenever you." if you can get me in and and I just said I'll, I'll be straight up with you mate um I'm only looking for a job to to get me sorted till I get a get another club um to find another club and he pretty much said mate we're here whenever you need us so he said if you if you end up leaving it's a, it's a it's a bonus for you um so he was really good about it mate and I'm really grateful for for from doing that to me, uh, for me. Yeah, well, uh, Joe's going to talk to you, Weller, about um, you know your career in in rugby league, and it's been a fantastic career. But one thing that really pricked my ears up is recently about how close you were to joining Warrington. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, uh, they actually um, they're actually really interested, and in, I um, I sort of said, um, well, they 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 had something down the line a bit more, but. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't really, really keen to like put all my put all my money on like waiting down down the track, if you know what I mean. And um, I didn't really want to, because I was already a little bit a little bit stressed about finding the club already, and I was um, working at the same time, so I was a, I was a little bit back and forward. So I pretty much said. I knew it was would have been if I if I did go to Warrington it would have been a like an awesome awesome um achievement for me to play play for Warrington and, and hopefully win some silverware at the same time because they're they're, they're such a good club. But um at the same time I was I didn't really like the, the stress on, on the other side and um just not knowing the unknown really and just not knowing where I was and where I was going to be in the next month or two weeks or the next day. So I pretty much just said, I'm 
that's why I said straight away, I said, um, I'm just, I'm happy with the way I'm going at the moment at work. And I pretty much said, said to the wife, um, I've had enough. Yeah. Would you have ever took a step down? Because obviously there's a lot of people dropped to the championship, but the problem is if it's not like a Toulouse or, you know, most recently like a York or, you know, top team, you have to work. And obviously you're working on the construction site now, whether, you know, it's hard graft, you know, it's not easy. You're working long hours and then having to travel an hour down the M62 to train. A lot of people struggle with that. Even the young kids, never mind, you know, you'll come into the back end of your career or it would have been. Was there any interest from like a championship team or was it just Warrington or nothing else? Yeah, there was um, there was interest from um, a couple of other clubs and new yeah. Castle and York and uh, Fev were keen for for a while and um, but I was just I really I really wanted to finish my last year in the in the Super League club so I was um, I was sort of waiting on a Super League club to get back to me but by the time everything sort of come up with like Warrington and all that sort of stuff I was I was I was a little bit over it and I just said I'd been working for probably two months by then and I was just I was just like you know I'm, I'm I was just happy the way things were going so I just left it at that would you say well would you say that obviously um through your time in rugby league maybe your family sacrificed a lot for you to fill fulfill your dreams and would you almost say now you're sort of paying back to your family and saying I want to get a stable career. I want to. I want to lay foundations for my family, and and say you're almost paying back to the people who've who've given you so much as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, my my family, my wife Jennifer, she's she's followed me ever since I played my first um, professional game for Parramatta. She's followed me for years. We've been we've been going out since high school, and she's just she's followed me everywhere I've gone, and. Um, without her, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have come as far as I I've come. So I'm really grateful for to to have someone like her in in my life and um, and the kids. So um, yeah, we're just I'm really really looking forward to uh, spending some quality time with uh, with my wife and kids and um, yeah, just make up for lost time that of um, all the all the times I've sacrificed. Um, missing out on things with them and um and my family back home too i've i've sacrificed a lot of a lot of weddings and all that sort of thing that that my um that my family's had back back in new zealand um i'm looking forward to um getting back in there and and um spending some time with them yeah, definitely. Obviously, we'll go, you know, we'll talk about your time on the rugby pitch now, Weller. When you came over, and obviously you'd signed for Crusaders, who um, was a new franchise at the time in Super League, and you came over. When you came over in 2010, did you think 11 years later you'd have been at your, um, your sixth Super League club and you'd have played almost, you know, over 252 games, you know, in, in Super League? Was it a when you came over, was it just a few years and then back home, or did you think, you know what, if I enjoy it, I'm going to stay over here? Yeah, well, that that was the plan, mate. I I, I signed at Crusaders for two years, and I was hoping to just get a get a bit more game time and under my belt, and then a bit more experience, and then head back to the NRL, and then um, my second year at at the Crusaders, uh, Leeds Rhinos ended up coming in for me, and um. I was um was one of the best clubs at at the time and that and that won like numerous of like silverware and all that sort of stuff so um I was I was stupid not to not to say say yes to them so um I definitely definitely enjoyed my time at Crusaders loved every minute my first year good bunch of boys and and I think we for for a team that I think it was their first year in Super League, was it? First, I believe so. Yeah, man. yeah. we um, we done really well. We made it to the semis for the first time, and um, we 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 just had an unbelievable team. They, um, all all the boys were were really good. They all made me feel welcome as soon as I come into the team, and um, I think that just showed the way we played on the pitch. Well, it was it a bit of a shock going from a. Uh... Obviously, the NRL, which is a, a well-established competition, and then going to a new team in Super League. What what was the differences that you encountered going from 
from Australia to, to North Wales? Um, I think I think I think it was um, it's a lot lot more physical here. I think um, they're just a lot more beefed up, and I think um, there's a lot more big hits, and you just you've got time to time to get up and and um, throw a shot on every now and then. So I think uh, that was the only 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 change I think to to what I thought from the NRL. And both games are quite fast when you when you play uh, certain teams, and I think. Um, that was about it, really. But I've, I felt that this uh, Super League was really physical. Well, that's that's really weird of you to say, because obviously uh, Super League gets a lot of stick. And, you know, you look at some of the, the Aussies and the New Zealanders and the South Sea Islanders, you know, you look at Tonga, Fiji, even like the Cook Islands, the international games, just it's massive. It's getting a lot bigger, isn't it, over there? And, you know, these big Tonga, like Jason Tamalolo and stuff, it, you look like they'd come over here and eat some of our lads for breakfast. <laughs> so, so for you to say the physicality is, you know, probably better over here. It's a massive statement, mate. I won't think you to say that. But obviously, you've you've you made two Challenge Cup final appearances. Leeds Rhinos in 2011 against Wigan, and probably come up against Wigan at a time when the Tonkins brothers were absolutely on fire and they scored that ridiculous try. Yeah. And then actually, when you moved to Cass, you went back. You you know you played your former club in Leeds, and you, you know you come runner up twice. But it's such a shame that you know you didn't win the Challenge Cup in them two appearances. But what was it like playing at Wembley? Because you know it's it's a massive stadium, isn't it? and even a lot of people you know from down under say Wembley Stadium. It's great to play at. What was them Challenge Cup finals like for you? Was it totally different from what you've experienced? Obviously, the cup run is such a massive thing for the fans at Cass and Leeds. Yeah, mate, it was um, unbelievable. Um atmosphere playing just just the lead up the whole lead up to uh, to the grand final um Wembley grand final and um just the the whole um the whole rugby league the the rugby league they just they they pump it up to be sometimes better than the grand final sometimes and I I I thought it was it was it was just um unbelievable feeling just to be able to play like I've talked to a lot of players over here and, and they have never had the chance to play at Wembley and so that that made it even more special for me and, and to make it make it there twice um was even better. But um coming away with the loss twice is, is really guttering but um like I said before, just just to be able to play at Wembley is is a awesome achievement. Well well, you know I'm interested. Is Wembley a big place, even if you're if you're a kid growing up in Australia, New Zealand? Is is Wembley sort of like a massive place for you to play at? I think it is, but it's one of the biggest stadiums I've, I've played at for um, personally. But I think everyone, like all the all the um, NRL stars that that I know and I know, like that are good friends. They've 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 always like rated Wembley. Mm-hmm. As their pretty much as their highest place to play at, and um, for them to say that it must be it must be a special stadium to play at. Eh? Yeah, that's great to hear. And obviously, we mentioned your Challenge Cup finals. You also played in a different type of final, a bit of knockout footy. We'll take you back to 2017. Obviously, this was before you'd even you know thought of playing for Ulkingston Rovers. We mentioned the million pound game. It's such a a big and influential game in Ulkingston Rovers and Salford's history. We actually spoke to your teammate, Michael Dobson, and such a different story at the time for Dobbo because he'd been at Rovers for six seasons, a club legend, and it was for him that experience of that million-pound game. He said it was so good because he secured a job. You had a great bunch of lads at Salford. But for you, obviously, at the time, you know, there's, we, we know you wouldn't have pulled no punches. You didn't have no affiliations to Ulkingston Rovers. A lot of fans like to know what happened on the pitch in them final two and a half minutes. Can you just tell us, obviously, from a Salford's point of view, when you was 18-10 down with two and a half minutes to go, was it, you know, what, we're up shit creaky or in the championship, a dead's gone down? I want to know what it was like for you, especially who had no affiliation to all Kingston Rovers at the time, and what happened to Salford. But most importantly, what do you think happened to all KI in them final two and a half minutes, mate? Mate, honest, honestly, that um, I, I try and... I try and forget about that game, and sometimes I, I want to bring back some of the memories that that were in that game. But um, 
leading up to that that week, mate, it was probably one of the toughest toughest weeks I've ever had, like as a player and um, just physically and and just all that sort of stuff was like it was the toughest toughest week I've ever had. So um, coming away with the win, I, would, I just I had no no energy to to actually celebrate or anything like I'd I'd just given 110% out on that field and whatever outcome come like I, I would have been happy with what I've done like on the field so um, at the time like what was it how long was it like I can't even remember two two minutes or something like that so I think it, literally, mate, it was about two and a half minutes. It was ridiculous. It was um, Josh Griffin. Yeah, Josh Griffin, who was obviously at all now. He was a masterclass on that left-hand side. Yeah. And it was literally, it was like playing on rugby league live. I think we was playing at professional and then we must have changed our difficulty to amateur because, you know, just we just turned. And I think it's so different because, you know, there's no adding from the facts that, you know, football and rugby, the wages are so different. If you get relegated from the Premier League, you're still picking up 60 grand a week. Yeah, yeah. And for you guys, it's your contracts that have been terminated. I mean, yeah. you'd have probably found another Super League club. You could have even come to Rovers a year early. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you, you know, at the time, you've all got families, haven't you? And yeah. do you agree that the million pound games, are you glad that it's been sacked off and like there's just the promotion and relegation? Obviously, we don't know what's happening in 2021. But, yeah. you know, the four million pound games, people say it's like life or death, isn't it, in your rugby league career? Yeah, mate. It was, um, it was like at the end of the game. It was just, uh, it was sad. It could have, could have, could have went both ways, mate. But um, someone, someone was watching over Salford that day, and um, we come away with the win, and just to see, like the whole KR players, like laying down, and just at the end of the game, just it was, it was guttering, mate. Like we just, we just played for what ninety minutes straight, and um, for every player to to be still on that field. Fighting for their their family, their livelihoods was was a massive, like just a massive achievement for for themselves. And um, just at the end of the game, when I had to go around and um, say say keep your head up and um, all all the best to with a new club like next year and all that sort of stuff to them, it was probably one of the toughest toughest things I've had to do um, in my career. And um, and then actually walking up the tunnel and then see looking across to the KR sheds and all of them all of them were in there um like just crying and with all their families around it was honestly it was heartbreaking. And um for for someone for someone to see that like that, it was just I wanted that million pound game to go straight away, mate. It was it was ridiculous to to do that to players like that. It was it wasn't wasn't good. Yeah, I remember well because I was I was stood on the terrace watching. Obviously, as a Hulkington Rovers supporter, I was I was watching, and you know it's it's the craziest two and a half minutes of rugby league I've ever seen. I just wonder in in the lead up to that game, was there any talk with the players around your contracts? What what might happen if you did lose that game, and what might happen to your contracts? Uh, no, not at the time, mate. There was um, everyone was pretty much concentrating on um, on their whole their whole lead up to the game in the in the in the game on the on the on that weekend. And um I think at the same time uh they they wanted to to um make sure they, they played well and, and done the best for the team. Yeah, definitely mate. And sorry Chris go on. Yeah, mate. as you can say and, and obviously uh on that on the pitch we saw Marwan Kukash celebrating with a check. And just just a short snippet. How how, how many dealings did you have with uh, Marwan Kukash? Because he's a he's a great character in rugby league, and he, he obviously he's not involved in rugby league. But a lot of people we speak to about Kukash, he, he, they talk about how how much of a character he was. Yeah, no, he was he was good for me, mate. He he always he always looked after me and my family, and and um, never never done wrong to 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 us. At, as a family and um, massive like respect to to him for for bringing me into the club and and um, giving me the opportunity to play for Salford. But no, he was um, people people he come across to people as a as a bit of a I don't know some I, don't, I can't can't figure out the word but 
arrogance, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. But um, but he was actually he did he did have a heart because people always said that he he never he doesn't look he's never had a heart and he's just like he he begs he says what he says so like um it was it was quite funny to to see what he used to put on Twitter and 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 get and get all the comments back and but um no nah, he was he was really good to me and my family and and the whole Salford club really yeah we need characters like that and obviously another man that you then knew from your Salford days Tim Sheens I think he was director of rugby at the time and I remember in 2018 obviously when a kind of like a transfer window opens it was quite re- you know it was rumored early doors that yourself Jimmy Carnos and Ryan Lannan who was at Salford at the time had signed for Kingston Rovers and it was quite funny because I don't you correct me if I'm wrong I, in that 2018 season because you went to witness as well on loan. You never played against Ulkar in that in the back end of that season. Once it was announced that he was maybe signing, was like honestly was was the deal done early, and is that why you didn't play against Ulkar in that 2018 season, especially in that final game against witness when I think we won 30 nil to you know survive, and then Tim Sheen said after that yourself, Jimmy and Ryan had signed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, mate. The, uh, the yeah. deal was done, and um. Francis uh, Cummings, he was a, he was a coach for Witness then at the time, and I pretty much said what I was doing uh, the year after, and I he he pretty much didn't even make me do the decision and said I'm not going to play you in this game because it wouldn't wouldn't be fair on you. So um, I was I was really happy happy um, that he that he done that and and um, come to me instead of me coming to him for the. Um, for the chat. Yeah, so obviously Sanford Rovers, and I, I want to take you to that that first game you debut, well, um, obviously when we took on Hull FC at Craven Park, um, it was your first derby game, and and to win it like we did is probably a dream come true for everyone who hasn't experienced a derby before. Just just describe what it's like. Yeah, mate. Um, all 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 that preseason, I was um, all the boys that. Obviously, play, that had been played for um, whole Kingston Rovers um, just told me about their experiences in the derby games, and I've watched, I've watched loads over over the years. I've been here, and I could just you, you don't really need to tell a player what it's like. It's you can feel you can feel what every every player's um, feeling through the TV sometimes, and the hype and and just the hits and. Just the all the emotion you can see it through the TV and the players, and so um, I was just. It was one game that when we got the fixtures, I was I was looking at straight away, and I was um, I was thriving thriving off um, every every training session I had through the preseason. I was I was I was looking forward to that game the most. Yeah, and obviously we played all three times that year. We won't speak about the Good Friday one because I wiped that from my memory. But um, the one in June or July, I can't remember the specific date, that we actually played the commentary, you know, we, you know what we're going to speak about. That hit on Scott Taylor, you know, when you retired, that video must have gone round about 500 times. I saw it, mate. For you, especially Scott Taylor, who obviously played for Rovers, gone to Hull and, you know, mate, you, you'll probably know him as well and you're all rugby players and mates, but he's made out that he never played for Rovers and that is... Or, you know, Westall thrown through. When you put that shot on, I've met that East Stand. It was the first time I've heard that East Stand raw in a long, long time, mate. Just give it. What's that feeling? Because we we interviewed Scott Morell and he did a similar hit back in 2010 at KC. Yeah. But for you to do it at Craven Park when he knocked on and to have Mossy and all the boys on top, you know, giving you our fives yeah. and that East Stand raw, it must have been an immense feeling, mate. Yeah, mate. Um... Mate, I feel honestly I was I played with um Tag at, at Salford and mate, he's he's a he's a really nice guy and I get on really well with him and um he was he was just actually the 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 person that ended up on the on the wrong side. So um yeah, I just I I looked at I looked at the, the scoreboard at that time and they were like they they were on a bit of momentum at that time and, and um I sort of I sort of seen Helton jump out and um, Tag push along with him, and I knew straight away that that the ball was going to come to Tag. So just I just rushed in as hard as I could and just um, yeah, done my best and threw my body in front of him and um, ended up losing the ball. And 
I, I think I think that was a bit of a game changer for for the for the whole game and um, yeah, just just to see all the boys um, come in after that was um, was an awesome awesome moment and um, those those are the things you you play rugby league for before you all your teammates come around like that and pat you on the back and just um, just embrace all, all the all the all the hypes like that. I just wonder, well, had you set out to hit someone during that game or was was it just that moment in time that Scotty had, had, had just took the ball and you decided, right, I'm going to have him? Or, like I said, had you set out to hit someone? Uh, no, not really. I just, I just, I sort of, sort of read the, what they were trying to do and they were, um, they, I think they were trying to spot um, Matty Parcell up at the time. Because I heard them say, like, spot Matty up. So I knew straight away that um, they were trying to get to him. So I just rushed straight up out of the line and, and put my front, uh, put my body in front of Matty Parcel and, and, and that come off. So I was um, I, I was uh, pumped. Yeah, I bet. And Matt Parcel scored the winner. So they're, um, the targeting went well that day. And, um Obviously, let's move to 2020. Such a rubbish year on and off the field for all Kingston Rovers and just, you know, the world in general. That first pre-season match, mate, you know, it's a tough one to talk about. I know it's, you know, it's, a, you know, it's horrible to speak about Mossy and yourself got injured that game. But obviously, that, no disrespect to you, that obviously got overshadowed because of the extent of Mossy's injury. Yeah. You know, for a team, because obviously we was heartbroken as fans and the rugby league community had gone through some rubbish with the news of Rob Burrow getting MND, you know, another former teammate of yours. For yourself and the team, did that just put a massive, you know, just, it, it's just so hard to take in and it still struggles to see Mossy. Now, never mind you, your teammates who you've played with him and be really good friends, but just give us an update. How was it at the time when you found out about the extent of his injury and how well he's doing and he's got such a long journey, but Everyone's got behind him, mate, and I bet for yourself, it's great to see him smiling because you know that's the type of bloke he is. Yeah, mate. Um, it just that 2020 started off um really bad. Just hearing the news, yeah. hearing the news first. I think it was January, hearing the news about Rob Burrow, and um, there was a few ex Leeds boys in the in the KR side too. So like it was it was a bit emotional because we heard it at training before a training session. And um, I think I think it it rattled a few boys, and and then our first trial game come, and and then I got injured, and Moss got injured, and um, we we were we were just both gutted because me and him like had probably one of the biggest pre-seasons we've had. We were just we were thriving to have have the best twenty twenty season ever, um, especially running off like last the year before from both me and Moss having good years and getting awards and stuff. So um, we were just, we were really looking forward to the year and um, just the outcome of, of that um, preseason game was, was a, was a killer. And um, the way, the way Moss ended up was, um, was just uh, heartbreaking and uh, everyone, everyone was really gutted and it was like, it was just it was it was pretty the same feeling as uh that that million pound game that lead up it just you just felt real sick in the stomach and um all the boys were were really really just sad to 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 see what happened to moss and we were all just praying for him hoping that um he was he was gonna gonna walk again yeah, and and obviously, well, I, I mean, Rovers supporters are, are absolutely desperate for for Mossy to get, uh, you know, back to normal as as much as he can be, aren't we? And I was just interested to to wonder what, you know, we're talking about the uh, future captains for all Kingston Rovers and who might be captain for for the current season. I just wondered from you as um, someone who has been captain. What do you think Tony Smith might be looking for in terms of qualities and, and what makes a captain, um, in your opinion? Um, uh, for myself, mate, it's probably just leading, leading from the front on and off the field as well. Um, you you got to have a good leader, like on the field, but off the field, you you got to lead by example and and do all the all the things, all the right things, like 
turning up to training early and um, doing extras and just putting yourself out there and um, letting the young boys and all that sort of thing, like let them know that you're there if they need a hand or need a chat or um, just not taking shortcuts at training, those sort of things, mate. Um, but then also when you're on the field, you, you need someone that will talk talk up and, and keep everyone like ready for the game but also calm in, in moments that are that are gonna that are gonna go overboard. So um yeah just that's the main that's the main sort of things that he'd be looking for and I think um there, there's a few there's a few good good players and good leaders in the in the KR team that um that'll be ideal for, for Tony. Yeah, I mean, well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. So humble, and you know, you're such a gentleman. I just wonder for you personally. I mean, now you, you know, you're doing construction, uh, etc. Yeah. How's your body shaping up? Are you, are you got any worries about any long term injuries? No, mate, I'm fine. Honestly, I've, um, I'm actually really enjoying what I'm doing, and uh, the pod. I thought I thought the body would. Um, uh, take its toll a little bit when when I've been doing all the lifting and all that sort of stuff. But honestly, I'm I'm feeling really good and um, I've actually lost a little bit of weight because I've stopped doing weights and stuff. So <laughs> it's I thought it was going to go the opposite, really. But um, but no, I'm, I've um, because I've stopped doing weights. I've, I've probably lost a bit of muscle, but I've lost a bit of weight as well. So it's um, it's good. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what's ahead, mate. Yeah, I bet you are. And well, the national conference starts in a few months, so I'm sure Skeller or Westall might need a player, mate. If you ever get um, <laughs> if you ever get bored on a weekend, but just last thing for from us, mate, because obviously we know it's your birthday. We're so grateful you've you know you've done it. I know you'd probably be out celebrating if it weren't for this rubbish lockdown. But what's the future for you? Obviously, you, you were, you're working at PBS Construction. We know last year that you know you was probably you was going to go home if it weren't for COVID and you know be a police officer in New Zealand. Yeah. Is that still the plan for 2022? Are you going to do one final? year in the UK and then you're heading back yeah mate um at the moment I'm just I'm just gonna uh keep working for PBS and um I'll see what the have a chat with the wife and see what she wants to do and um when she wants to start heading back and uh once we get back and we're just gonna pretty much throw all our things on the on the floor mate at our at the house and and kick back and just enjoy our, um, being around the family and all our friends that we haven't been around all these years, 17 years. So it's a lot to, it's a lot to take in and, um, just, you gotta make up, make up for all that time you've lost with the me. You have indeed, mate, especially in these unprecedented times, you know, you know, from me and Chris, you know, well done on such a stellar career, mate, you know, obviously in the NRL, but mainly in Super League and there's the amount of support from all your former teams and all your former teammates shows how much you meant, especially to Cast, Leeds, Crusaders, Salford, Witness, Ulkingston Rovers and the Paramaterials and we wish you all the best, you and your family in the future, mate. Keep grafting at PBS. Make sure to keep giving them FC fans a warning, a few digs <laughs> about who the proper team is in a hole. Cheers, mate. Really but appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for coming on, mate, and have a really good birthday. So that's it from me and Chris and the um, the latest episode of the Red Robin podcast. Thanks again for everyone supporting us, and thanks especially to Weller Araki, who's kindly donated his time on his birthday to come speak to us. So I've been Jarpliard, he's been Chris Johnson and Weller Araki, and we will see you next week, guys, for the next edition of the Red Robin Podcast. Yeah.